Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. I think that we, um, we don't know everything. We, we, we don't know, like sometimes we can be, we can be great at understanding, you know, our, our asset class or our particular market or, but, at the end of the day, things happen that are just outside of what we would have normally thought would happen, like COVID-19, for example. And so when you have um, the opportunity to invest in different, in different things, it helps to balance out for the unknown. Welcome to the Share the Wealth Show, where minority professionals can learn to escape the racial wealth gap and catapult themselves into abundance. Your host, Nicole Pendergrass, grew her net worth from being negative to multiple six figures. Join her on her investigative mission to expose secret strategies of the wealthy so we can all have the tools needed to build the life and legacy we were created to possess. Now it's time for the show. Hey guys, so we're back again. This is the second part of the episode with today's guest. I need you, if you have not heard part one, go back to the previous episode and listen to that first and then come back and join us here today. You need to hear the whole conversation. This is why we split it into two parts. There's so many nuggets, it's so juicy. Go back and listen to the first part. Okay, so there's a few things I want to dig into there. So I think it was super smart how you leverage conversations using your experience as a limited partner to leverage that in order to talk to brokers and things like that. So people getting involved, a lot of active syndicators now first started as a passive or did a passive investment first. I did a passive investment first, right? So um, I probably wish I would have leveraged that more going forward to talking to brokers, but the passive invest was in a market that I wasn't in. So it wasn't really going to help me. Um, I mean, I probably could have played around, but anyway. So the first raise and, and, and honestly, like closing and then continuing the raise after close is actually more common than I thought. Yeah. Like it happens most of the time. Before... It's happening. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. It's happened, especially, especially now with uh, interest rates and just what that has done to the LTVs and how much you can actually borrow versus how much equity you have to bring in. But yeah, it, it, it does happen. It's, it's not ideal, mm-hmm. but it can, it can, it can definitely happen. And it definitely happened on that first deal that we had. Well, I'm <laughs> glad you finally uh, got fully subscribed. So 
the first deal, how much did you have to raise total to be? Oh yeah, subscribed? it was a. It was compared to now. Um, so it was I think just under seven hundred thousand dollars. Nice. Yeah. So that's yeah. great. Yeah. Like I was yeah. thinking because you think just you hear that and everyone just automatically thinks millions of dollars. Wow. So seven hundred thousand is not <laughs> a little bit of money, but right. it stretched you. It, you know what it, I mean? stretch it, it was a stretch and at the time I mean just to kind of you know the purchase price prices were definitely a bit lower than they are right now so just to have that context <laughs> um I wish I could raise the seven thousand dollars for a deal right now uh, but but uh yeah it, it, just just for context it, it was uh, a different a lower basis definitely a lot lower basis and um but it was still a it was big it was a big deal at to me at the time, because this was the first time that I've done that. And it was also a mindset shift too, because I remember, I was, remember when I was going through it, you know, um, my, one of the, the coaches that I had was just like, remember, you know, you're not, you're, you're, you're offering an opportunity. You're, you're offering an opportunity and you have to kind of show it that way. Um, and so that, that really helped a lot. It helped, it helped a lot because it was very challenging sometimes like being in a room and feeling like you're asking for money. Yeah. So you said, um, the people who took a chance. So the, the people that you ended up raising from, mm -hmm. were they friends and family? Yes, they were. They a lot of people from your investment group that you had joined. You know what? It was a, it was a mix, but a lot of it was friends and family. Um, because I, you know, I was, uh, talking about multifamily for a bit of time before I actually had the deal. Okay. So it was, it was, it was friends and family. And then it was some people that I had met along the way in my, in my journey during that, during that time when I was transitioning, but, um, I'd say more friends and family, but okay. people that have knew, known me for much, much longer than, okay. you know, people that I met maybe, you know, within the past year. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Like, and that I just wanted to highlight the point that it's very important if you're going to start raising or you're going to start trying to go after your own deals and you don't have the capital to take the whole thing down yourself, you have to start talking about it and let people know what you're doing and show them that you are credible and knowledgeable because then otherwise they're not going to want to, you know, access the opportunity or take advantage of it because even though it's an opportunity, it's not an opportunity in the wrong hands, right? Right. It, right. Not, right. it ends up being bad. And that that's a great point. It, I mean, uh, when I think about a lot of it is like people that I worked with, you know, in my former role. So they, they've worked with me before or, you know, uh, people that I, I grew up with, but it was, was really interesting that one of the, one of the people in the group said that sometimes it takes longer for the people who know you the you. most or the closest to invest deals. Yeah. And um, I did find that to be true. I had people, you know, much later on, uh, you know, come in that knew me for a long time. And sometimes it's them also making this shift, like, okay, I know you, Sonia, the accountant, like, what are you doing with this? Yes. <laughs> like, really? 
thing. Yes. <laughs> okay, we went, you know, we went to school together. Like, when did this happen? And and so, yeah. and that's fine. You know, it 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 just it, it happens when it's supposed to. So yeah, it's, it's completely fine. And then because they know the previous version of you, like yeah. they don't know the real estate investor you. Yeah. So yeah. I've definitely gone through that um, on my first raise, and I thought. I thought I was going to be like, even 250, I thought I could raise this. I think I could get 250 easy. Like that's a quarter of a million, but like all these people, like I've been posting for two years. People know I do real estate. I have a podcast, even though I had just started a podcast. Like I do all these things. Like my face is out there. I had these conversations. Like I just thought like I was doing all the things that you're supposed to do as far as fault leadership and having a website and all that stuff. I was having conversations with people, but it was just short of asking directly, are you interested in passive investing? If so, how much capital? What are your goals? Blah, blah, blah. Like, like actually digging into what that looks like. I wasn't taking it to that step because one, I didn't have a deal and I didn't know when it was going to come. And I felt just weird. I don't know, that whole stigma of asking people about their money. Like people yeah. are still very private when it comes yeah. to talking about their finances. So that's a hurdle because I was also trying to educate people because I was trying to get more of our people like involved and to know what this type of um, investment opportunity is all about, that you can do things outside of stocks and et cetera. Right. So I have to educate and try to like dig in. So I was doing a lot of the education stuff, but probably not going that extra step that I really needed to, to cross that comfort line. So I'm telling this to everybody, just so that you know, in your endeavors, don't be scared to cross that line into the uncomfort zone, because that's, it has to get crossed at some point if you're going to raise capital. Right. And that, that is such a great point, um, uh, Nicole, especially talking about an uncomfort zone, because that's where you grow. That's, that's where you make the changes. That's where you make the transitions, because you're, you're not doing what, you, what you've always done. I, I, somebody was telling me, if you do, do what you've always done, you can't get anything new because you're always doing the same thing. <laughs> so and it, it's so logical, but it's not, it's not in our nature. We want to be comfortable. Yeah. Um, but you have to stretch outside to, mm-hmm. to really make the changes. Mm-hmm. How many units was that first deal? It was 48 year? units. Yeah, it was, nice. it was 48 units. And um, it was a, in a great uh, sub-market. It, like everything really lined up for, for that deal. It was really, um, it, was, it was good. And, um, you know, I'm really glad that we had our investors and then become, became repeat investors in other deals as well. Listen, I know you've been digging in, studying everything you can, listening to all the podcasts, reading all the books, even going to meetups. You basically have a degree from YouTube University, right? But you still feel stuck. You don't know how to actually implement what you've learned. You're nervous about taking the next step. So I've decided to start the Microfamily Investing Accelerator. This is a mentorship program where I personally guide you through my five proprietary pillars so you can learn how to buy your first commercial multifamily property and scale while not biting off more than you can chew by focusing on five to 20 units. That's what I call microfamily. And so you can also get hands-on guidance from an experienced microfamily investor who's been right where you are. 
Okay, so you can also create the cash flow needed to give you freedom and options to build the abundant life that you were destined to live. So I'll be limiting the first cohort because they'll have direct access to me and I will be heavily invested in their success. If you're ready to grab 2023 by the horns, schedule a free discovery call with me today. The link is in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. And I know, I know who your partner is in your new market, but how did you choose the new market? Yeah. So one of the things after we sold the deals in Georgia, I was still looking at deals, trying to look for deals in Georgia, but it got very competitive around that time. This is in 2021. So, you know, it, it was really competitive then. And I thought I really have to take a step back and think about what am I doing? Because this is, I'm going to keep coming up short, you know, competing against, you know, the 25 people that have put in offers on this deal. So I started talking and networking with people. And then I started hearing a bit about Birmingham and just started doing some, some research. And, but, but I also just met um, my, my partner who is, who's there now um, as he had a deal and it was such a great opportunity. I actually, I went, I flew down, went to see the market um, with a couple of other colleagues. We, we toured, you know, he, he's so, he's great. So he like took us all around and, you know, we were looking at the deals and I, and I just was like, this, this seems like, I really like what I'm seeing, not only on paper for the market with growth and, and jobs, but it was also just the, the sense I was getting just from, um, from you know, the, the operator, you know, just a great person. And so those things really aligned for me and it, it just, it just made it even more compelling. And then also their, their, the uh, purchase prices were, were lower than what I'm seeing. And that is also compelling, like just trying to get a good break basis, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, that coupled with the fact that the, the world games um, actually did happen in 2022 for Birmingham. And that's the Olympics for the sports that are not in the Olympics yet, but it's, (laughs) Still brought in an international stage, and uh, you know they did a lot of investment in infrastructure, and you know they just the leadership, the mayor, just very strong uh, changes, the positive changes that are that are happening in the city. So uh, you know those things were all really compelling to me. Okay, nice. I really like that. Um, is Birmingham more of like? I'm assuming because, you know, there's some markets that are known for being like high growth markets and there's right. some that are like pretty even keel, like where it, it inclines steadily, but there's not yeah. big fluctuations in the market. Like what kind yeah. of market is burning? You know, it's a great it's a really great question, Nicole. I, I would say that over the maybe over the past couple of years that that the this market has seen some some really some really good growth. Um, and then, but, but I do think it's a market that it's going to be more of like a really strong, consistent market. Um, it's, it's well located. And I think that with the, you know, with the, the economies that are, that are on the ground, I think it's also, it's a, it's a really, it's a consistent market. So, but I, but I do think it has experienced quite a bit of growth. Okay. Nice. Okay, cool. So what is next then for Sonia? Like what, you know, is Bedrock Investments looking to do in the near future, like this year and then long-term? 
Yes. Yeah. So uh, definitely looking, looking to continue to uh, acquire more multifamily properties. I really do like that space. Uh, Want to find the right deals though. So sometimes, um, you know, we may, it may take a little bit longer to find the, the, the deals that, that we think are the best ones um, for, for our portfolio and for our investors, but um, definitely looking to continue to grow in, in Birmingham and, and in other markets as well in the Southeast. Okay. I love it. Nice. This is, see, and I, I love your story just because it's so relatable. Like you took a layoff and transformed it into an entire, like very successful real estate investment company, starting with like, not really know what you were doing, finding the right group, like using your self-directed. And that's the thing people, if you don't know about that, like your retirement account can, depending can turn into a self-directed, meaning you can di- you can invest in other things outside of stocks and bonds that you normally aren't allowed to invest in. But I'm glad that you used all of those things to your advantage and like slowly built up. It's a, it's a journey that just highlights it. Mm-hmm. It's a journey, plan it out, use experiences like hearing Sonia's to really craft something that is realistic as far as, you know, the progression and how fast that's going to happen. And don't think like, oh, next year I'm quitting my job kind of thing. (laughs) Um, If you have yours. Um, But in any case, I really thank you for sharing your story. And I do have um, the final question that I ask every guest. So Warren Buffett said that diversification is a protection against ignorance. What do you think he meant by that? And that's like good or bad. What are your thoughts? I think that we um we don't know everything. We we, we don't know like sometimes we can be we can be great at understanding you know our, our our asset class or our particular market or, but at the end of the day, things happen that are just outside of what we would have normally thought would happen, like COVID nineteen, for example, and so. When you have um, the opportunity to invest in different in different things, it helps to balance out for the unknowns y- because um, you know you can you can put you can put a lot of thought and and work into into estimating. But at the end of the day, things are estimates, and while they're grounded in in solid you know your solid work and research things can happen. So once, you know, you may have some money in the stock market, you're doing well in the stock market, that's great. But maybe you want to consider putting your, your money into something that's also a hard asset because it, it gives you a, a, a hedge or a buffer in case something something doesn't go exactly the way you think it might for, for stocks. And so just, just having that diversity, it d- does provide you with overall grounding. Nice. I love that answer. Okay. And have you played Monopoly before? I have. I have. Okay. Uh, in the game of Monopoly, Boardwalk versus Baltic, which one are you buying first? What's your strategy to win the game and why? Yeah. So I the way I am, like the way I'm thinking right now, I'd I'd probably just go with Baltic, get in early. Get something that you can take down and then build on it. I think that's I think that's the way to go. <laughs> I love it. Just get what you can. Don't don't need to. That's the the saying, right? Buy real yeah. estate and wait. Don't wait to buy real estate. Right. If you have right. to save up for boardwalk, you might be waiting for a little while. For a while, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
What does wealth mean to you? So wealth to me really means it's it's transferable. It's something that you can pass down. So you can you can um, you know have money to do the things that you want and be and be and be rich. But how much of that money is going down to the next generations and the following generations? So to me, it's when I think about wealth, I think about it from a generational perspective. How much are you able to preserve for the next set of people that are coming after you? That's what I think about when I think about wealth. I love that. How much can you pass? That was transferable. A great answer. Okay. Um, I started something new. I actually didn't give you a heads up because I kind of forgot. But <laughs> um, so what I'm doing is I'm going to ask each guest to come up with a question that I'll ask the next guest. Okay. So I will ask you the question from the last, the previous guest. This okay. is from Verlene Davis. Okay. Uh, and she says, what is success? Okay. So success is really, it's a really personal, first of all, I, I, I want to say that's a very personal, um, it's a personal definition, meaning that you shouldn't pin the definition of success into what other people are doing. Um, for, for me, for me personally, um, success is really about how am I doing and achieving my goals for my, for myself and for my family? What, what measures am I taking on a, on a daily basis? You know, what we were talking about in the earlier part of our discussion about letting things go. And, and sometimes you can't take everything that you, you have with you for years with you to the next phase of your life because it, it, it may not help you in your next phase. So uh, that to me, that that's really success. I, I, I really want to see the, I really want to build that wealth for my children, being able to pass down generational assets as well as generation, like knowledge that's going to help them to, to succeed and be able to, um, to work with and, and help the people that invest in our deals also do well in them too. So those are all of the things that, that I think about right now when I'm thinking about success. Nice, great, I love it. Um, now, your question for the next guest. Okay. Do, do, do. It um, could be personal, it could be funny, it could be serious, it, it could, no holes bar. Yeah, I, I, think, I think I'll probably go with um, what what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, I like that. Would you give? Okay. Now, final question. How can your listeners get in touch with you? They want to okay. hook Great. up. Yeah. Yeah, great. So the the best place to to probably re to reach me is on is on LinkedIn. So it's Sonia Rockville CPA on, on LinkedIn. Uh, always great when you say heard you on Nicole's podcast, just so I know, because a lot of times you get, you know, a lot of people who may friend or request and you don't really know exactly where they're from. So we'll, it's always wonderful when uh, people reference that. Um, also, you could go to my website, um, www.bedrockreinvestors.com. And you can join our uh, mailing list as well. 
Nice. I love it. We'll have those links in the show notes. And I just thank you again so much for coming. This was a great conversation. Um, Everyone else, I know you took a lot of gems from what Sonia shared with us today. Please so that this message can get out to more people and we can share the wealth even further, extend our reach, share this episode with someone who you know would benefit, give us a rating, a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to us, and let us get out there to share this information with more people. Appreciate you and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Nicole. Bye, thank you, Sonia. Did you love this episode of Share the Wealth Show? Be sure to connect with Nicole by following her on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. If you picked up any of the gems that were dropped by today's guest, make sure you not only put them in your bag, but if you know of someone who would benefit from this information, don't keep it to yourself. Share the wealth and make sure to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you for next week's episode. Subscribe so you'll be notified. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.